since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too good to be true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey, and I'm so excited to get started. Well, happy dry January. This is a very exciting episode. Uh, We have a five-person collab today with multiple different podcasts, so um, I want to take a moment to introduce everybody before we get started. Uh, so Casey, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and also how long you've been sober for? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to hit eight years sober next month. My sobriety date is February 18th, which is insane to me. Um my name is Casey Davidson. I am the host of the Hello Someday podcast for Sober Curious Women. I'm a life and sobriety coach, and I've been married 21 years. I have two kids. Uh, my son's 15. My daughter is nine, and I live in Seattle. Thank you, Casey. Yeah, okay. Aaron and Michaela. Welcome. Do you want to take a moment and introduce yourselves and tell us how long you've been sober for? Yes, thank you so much. We're so psyched to be here. I'm Erin O'Neill, and I've been sober for a little bit over four years. And Casey, your sobriety date is my birthday. I almost fell over. That's so That's cool. That's so cool. I love numbers. Like, ah. Um, and I am one of the co-hosts of Two Sober Girls, and I have my better half on with me, Michaela. Hi, guys. Yes. So my name is Michaela, the other co-host of the Two Sober Girls, and I have been sober for almost two years. So it's going to be two years in February. And I'm just I'm just so thrilled to be in this realm of these amazing, like all of you amazing women and just get to hear so many amazing stories and transformations. Right. 
Thank you, ladies. And Suzanne, how about you? Tell us a little bit about you and how long you've been sober for. Yes. Hi. So I have been sober for, it's almost four years. So it'll be four years, January 19th. Um, so soon. And I am the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm also at My Kind of Sweet doing all of the glamorizing sobriety and sharing style and all of that. I'm a mom of three and I'm just trying to drink as much coffee as I can. I love it. I'm trying to actually do the opposite. <laughs> Chill. Because <laughs> I've been doing that for a long time. So I'm trying to do less of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't say it was a good idea, but that's, yeah. <laughs> Better than alcohol, that's for sure. Right, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, and I'm Jill. I host the Sober Powered Podcast. I celebrated four years in early November. Um, I do a lot of things, but I'm very proud of being a chemistry professor in the Boston area, and I'm a certified anger management specialist. So I love anger and rage. <laughs> I just love when Jill says that because she's so sweet and just like her, her voice is so sweet and she's like, I love anger and rage. It's so good. <laughs> so good. The deep internal kind. <laughs> so dry January is really exciting. A lot of new people come into the sober community at this time. Uh, some people like it. Some people don't. But I'm curious, Casey, what do you think about dry January? I absolutely love it. And, you know, I've been sober almost eight years. Dry January was definitely not as big a thing when I stopped drinking. I maybe vaguely was aware of it, but in the last two years, somewhere between a third of all American adults and a fifth of all American adults, it depends on the year, participated in dry January. And last year, it was incredible how huge it was in the media. I mean, the Today Show, NPR, InStyle, The Atlantic, The New York Times, Forbes, USA Today, literally everyone covered dry January. And what I see from that is it is mainstream. It is all over the news. And the reason I like that is because for people who maybe have been trying to cut back on drinking or are worried about it, but also, and, and personally, this is something I felt, are really concerned about what people might think of them if they stop drinking. This is something that you can dive in on. You can tell people about it. You might have all your friends join you. There is no shame. And it'll give you that sober momentum to get through the beginning part of sobriety with community support. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the the fact that it's so normalized and socially acceptable to do dry January is a great way to avoid drinking things and kind of navigate the social side and take advantage that it's just normal that people do it. It's not like something that you have to feel awkward about. And the other stat, absolutely, that blew me away was a study this year said that most Americans are aware of the sober curious movement, not the, oh my God, there are people who can drink and then there are these quote unquote alcoholics over there. But also 34% of them said they're trying to drink less. 
And I know if you're surrounded by big drinkers, you look around and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to be ostracized if I don't drink as much. One third, close to more of them actually probably want to drink less. And you guys just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that. So it's so interesting though, as a recovering alcoholic, the idea of being dry in January was like the worst idea ever. Like did Hallmark create this? Like I thought it was cuckoo kachoo. And, and I did not, it's because I was addicted to alcohol. It wasn't an option. I wasn't like, oh yeah, this month, I'm just, you know what? I'm just gonna like put this aside and not, it was like, are you guys all crazy? And you know, for me and my environment, nobody really, like there's a couple people who did it, but I'm like, I'm still working out and I'm still drinking water. I'm, you know, I was doing everything but not drinking. So I wasn't looking to dry January to like jumpstart like a health kick because I was like the healthiest alcoholic around. Like I truly called myself that. Like it was, it was crazy. So while I love the idea, I always love the idea of anybody being introduced to like the bliss and joy and the beauty of not drinking. And this is a way to like invite you in. I think it's really hard. And I just want to say this to anybody who relates to me, my story, if you're addicted to alcohol, you're just not going to be able to just stop and say, yeah, let me, it's like not like joining a gym. All my friends are doing it. You're going to need so much more. I needed so much more, but to Casey's point, I think it's so cool to normalize it, to have people around you who are doing it, who are choosing to do it. And, um, you know, there's so much power in our environment and that collective energy. However, I, I never in my life had a dry January while I was drinking. Like I didn't have a dry day until I really put down the drink and got help. So I, you know, I was talking to Michaela offline. I was like, oh my gosh, I could. And so in dry in my world um, is a, a negative connotation of like not working a program. And so like for me, like sobriety is so gorgeous and you're hydrated and it's full of life. And so I'm like, almost like we want to like change dry January to, you know, something so because it's the most positive thing it's what a gift to your body to stop for that month but i just that would have never happened for me that i you know that's my story yeah awesome so i think i mean i think the culture is really shifting when it comes to people being more open to drinking less or just having that awareness. And I think like you, Casey said four years ago, when you started, like, it just was not like that big of a thing. And as the years progress, there are more and more people being aware. So I love that. Uh, I do believe that it's not a one size fits all. So I do believe like, there's so many layers to this. When I think of it, I think that if somebody, let's say did dry January for the last like two or three years, I would invite them to extend it to like six months and like, you know, like start building on things because it's, I'm sure there's a lot of data there of how they are feeling better and, and there's a lot of positives. And then for someone, this is Michaela speaking, I was sober curious for 10 years. There were many years I took off in my twenties and even in my thirties. Uh, when I had my daughter, when I was really into health and wellness, Erin and I are both health and wellness coaches. And so, but then there was this side of me not fully deciding that I don't ever want to drink again. And until I made that decision, 
I was like watering down my life, like my, my capability to achieve the things that I wanted to achieve, achieve the health goals. And all of that was just not attainable when alcohol was somewhere in the future. So for me, it had to be like, and that was a process. I mean, we talked in my, in our mastermind group yesterday, there's some girls struggling, but they're able to just like, for example, have one drink. And I was like, I was there for a year until that one drink was just like, it just, it, it, it was, it was out of a habit. It was a ritual. But then the next day I just, I felt terrible. I had anxiety, depression, all of that. So to me, that's not worth it. And when you have that data, when you know better, you do better. And why, you know, so year after year, if you're doing this, like try to extend that time, um, is my recommendation. Um, and also the other piece is having proper, I wouldn't say proper having like, what are you replacing alcohol with when you're taking out alcohol in, in January? I think there needs to be a bigger plan other than just like removing alcohol. Like we need to look at how are we feeding our, our gut, our brain? How are we replenishing all of, all of the things that we lose when we drink, you know? Um, so having a proper plan in place is, is really essential to, to, be, you know, to have this be a success and get something out of it. Not just like, oh, I get to say I didn't drink all, all month and then go hard in February, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Okay. You guys, I love, I love all of these <laughs> points because this is totally what I was going to say. Like I have a love hate relationship with dry January. I love it because like Casey said, it, it's, it's kind of this like socially acceptable break that people can take from alcohol, right? And I think any break that you give your body and your mind and your soul from alcohol is a win. If that's a day, if that's two weeks, if that's the whole month, that's a win. Like your body needs a break from this toxin, right? And so that's the love part. Like I I love that we as a society are like, yes, okay, we will allow you 30 days to take a break from alcohol and we won't ask questions. And yes, we support that. But then February 1st, you better get back on that. Like you better start drinking. And the hate part of it for me is the countdown and that it tends to be a countdown. And I think when we're focused on February 1st, we are losing so much of the beauty, like Aaron said, what, that it's like f- full and it's not dry, right? Dry connotes, like you think about this just like, yeah, like barren, cracked, not this like luscious thing, right? And so it is, you're, you're wasting that time, not on alcohol, but on counting down to when you can drink. And then you're coming off of that thinking that that's what sobriety is. And you're like, oh, well, I've tried that. And that just sucks. But that's not what sobriety is. Because like for me, alcohol has no – there's no room for alcohol in my sobriety. I don't count down to it. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not talking about it except I am because I made it my job. But other than that, in my real life, I'm not talking about it. And so, yeah, I think that – I, th- I think it can put a bad taste in our mouths when that's the only time we've given ourselves to take a break 
from alcohol. Yeah, I think that's like going to the gym for a week and saying, I'm not getting the results. I'm just, I'm just never going to go to the gym again because it's not right. working for me. That's like the same thing as like, you're not, you guys, it, I mean, that first year, I mean, it's different for everybody, but that first year of being sober, it's, it's, there's a lot of hard moments yeah. and it's not as pleasant. I mean, there's a lot of highs, there's a lot of lows because you, you don't have anything to like numb it down with. Um, and you have to go through it, but when you get through to the other side and you get to, you know, your brain starts working properly, your, your senses, you're, you're able to actually enjoy the mundane things, which are so rich and beautiful. Just looking at a tree or just breathing in just clean air or just having a house to live in. Like we don't think about those things deeply when we are drinking because we're thinking, how miserable we're, we we feel the next day. Like that's, that's, I mean, my, my days, my two, three days afterwards, it was just like, there was no gratitude in there whatsoever. And so when you don't live with that, it's, you know, it's really hard to, I guess to, to get by. And so I, I get why people go back to it because it's just like an easy fix. Um, but again, back to that one month, you're not going to get those full benefits in one month that you get let's say six months or to a year. And then you could be like, okay, now I know why. Now I know why these girls are saying how amazing and fabulous it is because it's probably not going to feel fabulous the first month. You're just like testing it. And it's, I mean, maybe some people, but yeah, I, I know it wasn't like that for me. And even if it does feel fabulous and you're still just thinking about when you quote unquote can drink again, you're looking at drinking still as a privilege that you're setting aside for the month. Like you're like, okay, I'm not partaking in this privilege ward, even when you're doing dry January. And that's just to me missing all of it. And so that, yeah, it's the love hate. And that's shame from our culture. Like yeah. the fact that a poison is the prize the prize is living a healthy, free, sober life. Like this Amen. desired lifestyle. This is so much better than any day, perfect day of drinking. You can't even compare it. Um, and I think that's the shift that we're all so you know, passionate about sharing because this is the prize. This is so much better. And to shift your mindset to, okay, let me enter into it in dry January with an open mind of maybe this is something I'm going to want to do. Let me see instead of being like, oh my God, okay, I have five more days. And then, okay, what am I drinking? What, like, where are we going? And right. Ruining it. Yeah. And Jill, and what's my, your thought? I know you have a lot of thoughts about the body and what heals. Yeah. Um, I took breaks and I did exactly what Suzanne said. I did the countdown to when I could drink again. And I agree with you. It makes you miss the benefits because you're so focused on the end goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I have two thoughts. The first thought is that even though you're missing some of the benefits, you can't help but become aware of at least some of your suffering going away. Mm -hmm. And when I was drinking, I thought that all of this suffering was me and who I was. I thought it was just like a big list of problems that I had, like, like the middle of the night anxiety and the self-hatred and all the, the different problems I had. I thought it was me. 
And when I stopped drinking, even though I only stopped drinking to cure myself and I couldn't wait to drink again and moderate, uh, which didn't happen. Um, but I did notice, wow, I'm not anxious anymore. Isn't that interesting? So I think even if people are counting down to February 1st where they're going to just go hard, you can't forget what you learned in January, even if you just think about drinking the whole time and rewarding yourself for taking a break. Um, and my other thought is the first 30 days is a lot of physical healing. It's a lot of your body recovering from being blasted with alcohol for probably years. But the cognitive benefits happen later. So the unfortunate thing with dry January is it's only 30 days. You're not actually going to see those really special cognitive benefits that you guys were talking about, like being happy to see a tree. I love trees and nature and sunlight, but that took like six months for me to be able to feel gratitude for anything. Uh, the mental clarity burst that you get is typically around two months. So even though one month is enough time to see some of your suffering go away and to have some benefits, the, um, the ability to think clear and assess your situation, it doesn't happen until closer to two months. So you're missing out on that really special part. And that's, I agree with you, Michaela, to extend it either if you just enjoyed dry Jan and you thought it was awesome or you've been doing it regularly, just see, do it for 60 days and see if you get this clarity boost yeah. or you can tell me that I suck and I'm wrong if you don't <laughs> get it, but maybe you'll get it and then you'll want to extend it to 90 days. She'll never I, suck. Yes. I no, definitely <laughs> not. I think one of the things I like about your I January and, and you know, I'm a sober coach, so I am in no way encouraging people or advising them to go back to drinking in February. What I like to propose is 100 days alcohol-free. And again, not wanting people to go back to drinking at 100 days, but you've gone through so many ups and downs and you see so many benefits within that time period that the goal would be when you reach that milestone, you want to extend it to six months. You want to see how good you can feel at a year. But when I started trying to take breaks from alcohol, I literally could not get past day four. I, the thought of never drinking forever or not drinking for a year or even six months, I mean, that was insane to me. And if I had done that, I would have immediately thought I am never going to have this thing that I'm so emotionally and habitually and, and physically addicted to the dopamine hit again. So what I found is it does really help to set smaller goals and to celebrate them, to even get you started, to see how much it's impacting your anxiety and your sleep. And a lot of people are held back by the social pressure of drinking. So if you're listening to this and you're actually worried that you might have a problem with alcohol, which is definitely where I was, it helps you begin. 
And the hardest part for people is to draw a line in the sand. The other thing I thought was really funny is my sobriety date is February 18th. Michaela, you said your sobriety date was in February. Trust me, eight years ago, I was, my goal was to do dry Jan. I didn't make it. So I wasn't able to stop until I added support. I got a sober yeah. coach. I joined an online group. But doing dry Jan, even trying to versus trying to moderate, it's kind of a self-diagnosis of how important alcohol really is to you. Can you do it? Can you do two weeks or three weeks? And then if you can't, get more support. Yeah. And the I big piece oh. to this, Casey, is so sorry. Oh. Let's say you do decide to do a week or a month, like in the back of your mind, commit to just reevaluating how you're feeling at at that time to not just say like, okay, like February, I'm just going to go back to my old ways. Like this is a self-discovery. It's, it's like a journey that you get to know yourself on this like beautiful deep level that you truly can't when you have alcohol in your system. So even if you have to like set a reminder in your calendar to be like, you know, um, January 30 or 31st, whatever that is, to check in with myself. Do I want to continue? How do I feel? And just to sort of like take an inventory of like what went well, what was difficult. And this is when I think having a community and conversations like this is really important to, to communicate like this was hard when this happened. And then somebody, for example, who has been there can give you beautiful, simple advice that you probably never thought about. And there are many things, there's probably hundreds of things that you have not thought about that happened when you were sober and to just have a group or, or a friend that has done this for a really long time can be like, oh my gosh, I've been there. Uh, this is what I do in these situations. And the other big part is it's just so wild to me that socially, and I know a lot of people use this as an excuse to like not be able to drink and be like, okay, now I have an excuse. You don't need an excuse not to drink. Like we give you full permission to just say, I don't want to drink anymore. I think we don't need a dry January to not drink. We don't need, you know, uh, I used to say back, you know, before like, oh, I'm on a cleanse when I truly didn't want to drink and I was not on a cleanse. Like we don't have to do that. We don't have to lie. Uh, I posted yesterday, like what is in my glass? It's, it's none of anybody's business and what's in your glass is none of my business. And that's the way it should be. And we have to have those boundaries. So I know most of our listeners are adults. Like we are adults. We, we get to change and we get to evolve and we get to make, uh, different decisions year by year. So if we've been drinking for 20 years, like I was, you know, on and off, I get to change that. And I still have people like, wow, you're so different. I, I would, I mean, thank God I'm different. <laughs> like I would not want to be the same. Like we're supposed to evolve. I love. Can oh. I just hop in real quick? Because I want it to just speaking of change real quick. My mom and I have talked about this. We talk about this a lot. You know, she's a therapist. We talk about the five stages of change, right? So when you're talking about behavior change, there are actual five stages and, and it's not, you know, it's not in order. You don't go from like one to the next in an even line. So this kind of goes back to Jill, your point of, you know, like even if you do start drinking, in February, all of those things that you notice in January that 
maybe the struggle was lessened or, you know, pain was alleviated, whatever, that does come with you into February, even if alcohol is reintroduced, because that is part of that contemplation stage. And sometimes we're in the contemplation stage when we're kind of just noticing and what we would probably call sober curious, we're, we're noticing and we're like, oh, right. And so I did feel better in January when I wasn't drinking now that alcohol is reintroduced. So we always say in our group, you know, that's just so not failure when we go back to trying to moderate. That's a lot of times that's essential. And you're in that. So it's pre-contemplation when you're really not open to you're just not open to it yet, right? It's like, nope, I don't want to look at this yet. It's contemplation when, so you start noticing and you start thinking about, oh, okay, this might be, yeah, I did feel better in January. And then you're in preparation stage when you kind of commit and you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a plan. So I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to make a, my own sober march or whatever it is. You start to plan. Um and then you're in action when you're like implementing your plan and maintenance is the last one. And like I said, you, these aren't like bing, bing, bing. You're not going to go. You might be in contemplation and then back to pre-contemplation when you're like, nope, that was too much to think about. I'm not going to think about it anymore. And then you can jump to preparation. So, But all of these stages are so important and we don't just wake up overnight and say, I'm done. If you think you did that it, in my my story is that spontaneous sobriety. But that doesn't mean that years leading up to it, I wasn't in that that contemplation stage because I was. And I totally agree with you. Um, and I appreciate what Casey said, too, about failing dry January. I think that there's a lot of pressure to be perfect mm -hmm. and to get the whole month. And if you can't do it, then you suck. But uh -huh. I never did dry January because I couldn't imagine not drinking for 30 days. That sounded horrible and scary. And like, why would I want to do that? The goal is to just drink less. So it doesn't seem like something I should participate in. Um, but even if you, you know, quote, fail dry January, you still learned a lot and you got some experience and it, it moved you a little bit down this contemplation mm -hmm. stage that you're referencing. So I don't think that it needs to be this push to have perfect 30 day breaks, even if you'd get four days or a week, like that was still a valuable experience and you still learned from it. And you could get back up. Like, let's say yep. you slip on the fourth day. Okay. Thursday, like let's continue and like, let's jump on and, and continue the program, whatever the program is obviously not drinking, but I do recommend having something to replace it with, having a spiritual practice, perhaps, you know, editing the way you're eating, like in, adding in more vegetables, adding in more fruit, adding in more hydration, adding in more exercise, because you're going to need those feel-good chemicals. So we have to replace it with something. So there needs to be uh, some kind of plan. It doesn't have to be so you know, so rich and like, oh my gosh, now every single day I have to do all of these things, but just seeing what you can do, it's going to really allow you to make this transition easier as well. And you're going to feel a whole lot better after the 30 days. If you're adding in simple wellness practices into your day. So I have a question for you guys. Um, if you could travel back 
years and time to your newly sober self and give yourself one piece of advice for the journey. Um, Casey, what would you tell eight years ago, Casey? Yeah, I would tell her that it is so much easier to not drink than to try to moderate and that the first two weeks are the worst because I really think alcohol is like a magnet. The closer you are to the last last time you drink, the stronger the pull will be that you will not always feel like you're struggling not to drink at the witching hour the way you do in week one and week two. So I wish I had known that and I wish I'd gotten support to get further away from it because I thought I sucked. I hated not drinking. I thought life not drinking sucked. And the truth is withdrawal sucked and being in early sobriety sucked. And it is so much better if you give yourself the chance to get further away from it. And it's easier with help. I love that magnet reference. Erin, what would you tell your Uh, newly sober self? So part of my story I went to rehab and so I'm going to talk to that person in rehab. And so I would tell myself, keep going, keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. Everything your heart has ever desired and more is on the other side of the drink. Do not give up. It is so flipping unbelievably good. But I would then again tell her, do not give up because I was, I was a truly one day at a time person. I can't believe, I have to pinch myself that I'm here and I can't believe how good life is. So I would just scream it, hold her face and say, you're going to do this. You can do this, but don't give up because every day was a battle from the beginning. Every day was a battle and it's worth it. It's so worth it. Erin, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Michaela, what would you tell your newly sober self? My gosh, so many things. But I think the main piece would be like, you are so much more than a party girl. Like I identified with going out and drinking and getting dressed like that, that, that was like the ultimate like luxury. And I was having fun and it was such a big piece of my identity to be quite honest with you. And I did it since I was a teen, you know, and it, it evolved dreamed about a life like, like different than that. And the way to get there is, you know, the other piece would be like, it's okay to feel the feelings. Cause that was a big piece, um, for me, uh, dealing with a lot of trauma from childhood. There was a lot of things that I now realize I didn't want to feel and alcohol helped me to cover that up. And so once I removed the alcohol, I didn't know all of those feelings that will come up and they came up that whole year. It was just, it was like popping up (laughs) feeling after feeling. And so I would tell her it's okay to feel the feelings. It's in fact the cure for it all. Oh, that's so good. Uh, I agree with you. Suzanne, what would you tell your newly sober self? So much like Michaela said, I'm like, okay, where would I start? I think I would, I think I would say be where your feet are, first of all, because you're really bad at predicting the future <laughs> and your brain can trick you and think that you're good at it. 
And so be here and remember what you know and keep coming back to that. Because in that first 30 days, there was so much I didn't know. And and it could I it could carry me away if I let it. Like all of the what ifs and what about whens and like everything. It was so scary. Um, but I just kept coming back to the one thing I knew and I would just remind yeah, I, I would remind myself that. Like, what do you know? What do you know? What do you know? Um and and just to to give myself a chance. I I just I don't think I'd ever done that. Just like give myself a chance to feel it all, to live it all, to do it all and to figure it out and that I would be able to figure it out. You don't know how, you don't know when, you don't know what that's going to look like, but just jump. Jump. I love that. Um I would tell myself I would say two things. I would say, uh, you're not different from other people and just freaking chill. Um, <laughs> you're not different from other people. Meaning like when I quit, I was like, I'm not like other people. I don't need support, <laughs> but my suffering in the beginning would have been less had I just got some support and found out that, oh my God, other people are feeling the exact same way that I feel. Look at that. I didn't have that experience until months in. So I would say, like, stop prejudging things. You're not different. You're not the only one in the world. And the just freaking chill piece, really what you were saying, Suzanne, about all the future tripping, I worried about social events like over a year in advance. And I would spend a lot of time thinking about like what everyone's going to think of my not drinking and, and like worrying about the worst case scenario. Like just stop. That's what I would say. Like just, like you said, really be in, be where your feet are. Try to stay in the present. So that's my advice for me, if I could help myself. Um, <laughs> But I also want to know what benefits you guys saw in the beginning. So, Casey, it's a long time ago. I remember it. <laughs> I actually, one of the things I did, I had a sober coach and I emailed her like I wanted to be an A-star student. So I emailed her on day one and two and seven and 16, like literally five to six days a week, documenting how I felt. Um, uh, I wanted to drink on day one. I wanted to drink on day two, um, but I just stuck with it because I was like, all right, I've said I'm doing this. I'm emailing her every day. I went through every emotion. Um, on day 12, I had my first really good night's sleep, maybe in years. Um, you know, I would been waking up at 3 a.m. for so long. Um, it was incredible. I asked my husband on day 30 what he had noticed because I was worried I was boring. And what he said to me was that our home just felt a lot more peaceful. I was less up and down. I was less sort of outraged and, mm -hmm. and, you know, upset and stressed out when I walked in the door at the end of the day, I was less irritable in the morning. So he didn't think I was boring. He actually liked it. 
And I um, had been working out for years in the morning, you know, punishing myself, doing burpees at 6 a.m. after consuming a bottle of wine the night before. I actually did um, look a lot better. I, you know, was still working out and I, I definitely, my skin was better. My eyes were clearer. I was less bloated. I did lose weight. Um, so I was proud of myself. And that doesn't, the weight loss doesn't happen for everyone. Just so you know, you're going to crave sugar. But the one thing I would say is, regardless of the scale, you will look better. People will be like, what are you doing? You look fantastic. And the answer is, I'm not poisoning my body every day. Yeah. Casey, I think it's interesting that we think our husbands are into the chaotic, <laughs> sloppy version of us and that like, they're not fun, baby. Passing out on the couch is so fun. It's so hot. So sexy. <laughs> what everybody wants for their wife. <laughs> Cause I felt that way too. He's gonna think I'm boring. And I'm just so happy that you asked him. Yeah. And you got to hear that. Michaela, yeah. what benefits did you notice in your first 30 days? Okay. So as I previously mentioned, I was sober curious for about a year. So I, there was many probably days and weeks I didn't drink like in a month. And so I wasn't addicted. Right. And so when I gave up drinking, the biggest thing that I've noticed is it was a sense of freedom. It was like this thing that was like, I was carrying with me every day, like knowing like, am I going to, am I not? Cause it was like one of those things. Like I just, I didn't, I didn't know, like, like if I was going to go to an event, I didn't know how I was going to leave. And that worry and that anxiety about the future and being a mom just crippled me. It crippled me. And a big piece, uh, for me quitting drinking was, uh, Wayne Dyer, one of my favorite spiritual teachers. He was just saying, and, and I know he was sober for a really long time. He said, in order for me to have the success that I want and have the life that I want, I could not drink. And that always stuck with me. And at that time, when I decided I didn't want to drink, I was working through some career things and making some decisions. And I knew that in order to go to that next level and level up, I could not drink like that voice. His voice just never left me. Like it was just like, that's what's going to happen. Like that's what you're going to have to do. And so when I took a sip of my last drink, I was, it was a glass of champagne. It came to me and I swear to God, it was just the knowing like, this is your last drink. It was like some other voice. And it said like, you can take a sip, you can celebrate this like last moment. And I did. And I put it down and I didn't even say anything to the person I was next to. It was just like, I just, it was just a, a deep, deep knowing. And so the biggest thing was immediately that day, I felt a huge shift. It was a huge energetic shift. It was a huge mental shift. It was, um, I feel like I've graduated to like that next like frequency, you know, like of like, okay, like things are about to start happening for you. And they did. And they did. Um, but yeah, and then the other physical things, better sleep. Um, I feel younger than I felt in my twenties, you know, like, which is, which is amazing. I think sobriety is so sexy. And I think, um, you know, doing all of those things that now I'm able to 
really dive into my health because I really wasn't when I was drinking because it just, you are taking like two steps forward. And then I felt like I was taking 10 steps back. Like it was just like misalignment of my energy and who I truly was. So I feel so aligned. Mm. Those are all excellent benefits. Erin, how about you? So I can relate a lot to, you know, what Casey said, the sleep was so deep and like delicious. And I didn't remember ever like not like I used to wake up with like a glass of wine by my bed and like waking up in the middle of the night and feeling like anxious and sweaty and like super not sexy. Um, so the sleep right away for the first 30 days, but then I, I, you know, everything gets better. That's the thing. Everything gets better and better when you put down the drink and you add in these amazing habits to actually take care of yourself. Everything starts working. But what I was seeking in alcohol was power. When I put down the alcohol, I actually connected to my true source of power. And I was like, ah, this is what I've been looking for. Like, you know, I was looking outside of myself. It's in me. And I started regaining that power. And it's like, you know, I was trying to vacuum my house without plugging in the vacuum. I got to plug in and I'm like, I am, I am this, I don't need that. I don't need anything outside myself. And that's the coolest thing. And that just grew and grew and grew. You know, my power is, you know, I'm talking about a spiritual, my connection to my higher power, to God that I could not find because I was looking at a drink and that drink funny enough that I was looking for was keeping me from that. So that was one of the coolest things. The first 30 days, I mean, like, Oh, okay. This is what I've been after. This is what I'm really craving. Um, and again, it gets better and better and deeper and deeper the longer you're 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 in this lifestyle. Erin, I love that Thank so you. much. Thank Suzanne, you. what were your benefits in your first 30 days? So my story is different too. It's like Michaela's in that I wasn't a daily drinker. I wasn't at the time that I stopped, I wasn't actively addicted because I didn't I I was moderating what people would call successfully. I say that in really big quotes. Um, And so definitely that freedom of just being able to look ahead to events and knowing that, oh, it's just off the table. Like I don't have to, there's no question mark anymore. And removing that question mark, really, I felt so free and just not scared anymore and anxious about it. Um, But I, Jill, you're going to laugh because the first thing that came to mind when you said, what was the best benefit? You know, for me, it was being able to clean my kitchen every night. <laughs> I thought favorite. you were going to say sex. So oh, that, that was too. not what I well, was expecting. Well, well, having sex in my clean kitchen. How about that? <laughs> Damn, you were more excited. Yeah, yeah yes. the countertops were clean, guys. Um <laughs> No, Jill, I didn't even know. I didn't know this. But when because I've always said that, like, I was able to like nighttime became such a precious time for me that I could nurture our home and like put my kitchen to bed. This sounds it's I sound like I'm 80 years old. You guys, I promise I'm not boring. But it's just it's just so sacred to me. And to be able to really 
you know, it's taking care of future me so that when like 6am Suzanne gets up, like her coffee is ready to go and I just have to push play and my favorite mug is out. And like 6am me is so grateful for 830 or 9pm me now. And that wasn't the case when I was drinking, right? It would, it's just such a like sliding doors moment and really it just highlights completely how sobriety changes everything. And then when my when my morning starts off well and like my coffee's ready to go and my kitchen's clean, like I feel better. I'm nicer. <laughs> I'm just a better human. And it's just a way to really like take care of my space and my home and my family. Um yeah, so a clean kitchen. <laughs> First, I thought that was weird. I know. But I'm with you. I'm with you now. Okay, see, I thought it was the weirdest thing, but I, mean, I am the, I'm I have, there. I have a lot of those. I have a lot of weird things, but yeah, <laughs> now you get it, right? So my benefits that I noticed, I had a few that really stuck out. I agree with you guys about the sleep and everything that you said and feeling free and peaceful. The first benefit that I noticed is my deep suffering stopped. The anxiety that would keep me up all night stopped and I didn't feel suicidal anymore. And then I got like a giant pink cloud. I was like, damn, sobriety is the best. <laughs> and the pink cloud would go away later. But so I was loving it, like right in the beginning. I'm like, I don't have to feel anxious. What? And my other benefit that I noticed maybe towards the end of that first month was that I I kept promises to myself and I felt a tiny bit more confident and I believed in myself a little bit more. Um, it would take me years to get to the point where I could clean my kitchen and not okay. let it build up to be the most disgusting kitchen in the world and then clean it because that doesn't really feel the same. <laughs> yeah. But I built up a tiny, tiny bit of confidence or maybe as Aaron would say, power. And it just made me feel better about myself and hopeful. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this was amazing. I think that we have very different experiences, but then we all are similar too in a lot of ways. So I appreciate you all joining me today to talk early sobriety and dry Jan. Um, and Casey, if we want to connect with you and your work, where can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. I love how different our perspectives are and our drinking experiences. I'm hoping anyone listening to this will find many different things that they can relate to, which I think helps just knowing you're not alone. The best place to find me is at my website, hellosomedaycoaching.com. I've got a free 30-day guide there for your first month alcohol-free. And you can listen to the Hello Someday podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, Casey. Erin and Michaela, where can we connect with you and your work? First, you can find us at Two Sober Girls Podcast on Instagram. We love to hang out on there. So you could just send us a DM. Um, I'm also at Health with Michaela on Instagram as well. Um, so you can DM me on there. And then Two Sober Girls Podcast, which you can listen to anywhere. 
And Erin is at Recover with Erin on Instagram. Perfect. Suzanne, how about you? I am at mykindofsweet.com. That's all style sobriety. There's also five tips to help you get through your first 30 days. Um, that's a little freebie. And my kind of sweet on Instagram where I, you know, glamorize sobriety and the Sober Mom Life podcast. Thank you. And Rudy has uh, decided <laughs> that now is the ideal time to Rudy, where can we find wake you? Up? <laughs> Rudy can be found in my office. This is mine and Rudy's office. Um, but if you would like to connect with us, sometimes he does appear in my podcast episodes. Um, that's so overpowered. And then I have a bunch of goodies and ways to support you on my website, soberpowered.com. Um, and thank you all so much thank for you. joining me today. And I hope we can do it again. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. I can't Thanks, wait everybody. to do it again. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how twos for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.